we're in one of those scenes. I brought some pictures with me. Oh, let me give you some numbers, because even though this is a, le a gay and lesbian focused meeting, I think we're still, still interested in did we lose weight, you know, or does anything, you know, what has it got to do with OA? So I'm going to send some pictures around. I'll start over here, I guess. Um, for the numbers, my top weight that I know of is about 252 pounds. And I'm about 100 pounds from there today, a little, a little more than that, not much, but a little tiny bit more. Uh, and uh, I have been abstaining since May, uh, May 10, 1996, continuous abstinence. I have been in Overeaters Anonymous since July of 1985, so that tells you a little something. It's May 1996, July 1985. Hmm. Took me a while to get it. And what's interesting about that is I think I'm pretty smart, you know, and, and, and I remember having uh, one of my first sponsors because I was always figuring everything out. You know, I, I was always just trying to figure out the deal. You know, figure out what, what did I have to do, what book could I learn, what prayer could I, you know, memorize to get this thing. And somehow I knew, though, when I got here, that the compulsive overeating was not about memorizing something. Because God knows I knew the diet. You know, I knew, I knew what I was supposed to eat. But I just didn't want to eat that way. And I knew, which brings me to um, an interesting concept. They said... There's, there's a tradition in Overeaters Anonymous that says the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. I'm here to tell you that that is not a requirement because I did not want to stop eating compulsively. I just didn't want to look like I was eating compulsively. That's what my desire was. So, um, and that's the truth, you know. And I actually learned in this program how to not, how to eat compulsively and not look like I ate compulsively when um, I did my little trick with bulimia or vomiting. Um, and I never, when I first got here, when I first got here, I was, like I said, about 32 years old, and I had been nothing but fat my entire life. Fat and different. You know, different, well, different, first of all, being gay. You know, I knew by the time I was, I think I was about 10 years old when I started practicing kissing my girlfriend for the boyfriend that I, you know, had in the sidelines. But I would get my girlfriends and say, let's practice, you know. And, and that's where I got my thrills. It wasn't from, you know, it, anyway. So I was different. And I was, I think that, I don't think, though, that we have to be gay here to feel different. I think probably most people who come to Overeaters Anonymous, you know, are, do feel different, regardless, straight, gay, tall, short, whatever. Um, but I did never, I never felt like I really fit in. And when I first got to Overeaters Anonymous, I had just been just a plain old fat person. You know, you'll see a little girl picture of me when I was six years old. You can see in that picture I was fat. You know, so I grew up fat. I was a fat child. I was a fat teenager, fat adolescent, fat young adult. I was always overweight. And um, it just, you know, I would hear the stuff like, uh, she's got such a pretty face, too bad, you know, and, and it was too, it, it was just the whole, the whole, the whole thing was not, um, not a, it, it was more about looking good. And when I came here, you know, I, 
I got I kind of got to talk a little bit about some other stuff that I did too, because that's kind of what got me to Overeaters Anonymous, and that was that I got here because I smoked, and I was dying from smoking cigarettes. And now, mind you, I was 252 pounds, smoking four packs a day, and couldn't stop eating and couldn't stop smoking. And my doctor, I was hooked up to an oxygen machine, and my doctor told me I was going to die if I didn't quit smoking. Well, I figured she was full of shit, didn't know her business, and that the reason I couldn't breathe was because I was too fat. And so I came to Overeaters Anonymous. But when I told her that, she told me that the benefits I would reap from quitting smoking would outweigh the benefits of losing weight. But I didn't believe that. And the other thing was back to the looking good thing is that smoking didn't look so bad. Of course, it didn't look too good on me because I was one of those ones that was like, <laughs> you know, constantly choking and, and really not pretty. Um, but I didn't care about smoking. I didn't really care about drinking. I was also drinking. I was using drugs. I was a pothead and coke addict. Um, and I didn't care about any of that. I just didn't want it to take more than six pallbearers to carry my casket. You know, but I've got that solved today. I'm going to be cremated, so, you know, so we're, we're, we don't have to worry about that anymore. But still, it was about, you know, looking good. And kind of growing up was about looking good. And I think, you know, there was this whole thing, and I never really had any boyfriends. Um, I had a boyfriend, but, you know, they were always superficial or just somebody that I, you know, fooled around with sexually because I was trying to figure out, I don't know, I didn't know what was wrong with me. You know, so I, I, I always had some kind of uh, male on the outskirts, but they were, it was more of a secretive thing but because I was fat, you know, so no boy wanted to be seen with a fat girl. And um, I think my mother had this idea as I got into my adulthood, I knew that I was gay. You know, I knew what, what the problem was because then, by then I had met a woman and, you know, oh, that's what's wrong with me <laughs> is what, what I found out. And then um, um, I think my mother thought, in fact, I know she thought, that if I lost weight, then I could find a man, you know. And much to her surprise and chagrin, I lost 100 pounds, and I still had a woman. So she was, like, really confused. You know, was, uh, what's going on here? Um, but I want to talk more about uh, being a compulsive overeater because I think that's really, you know, that's why I'm in Overeaters Anonymous because I'm a compulsive overeater because when I came to OA, I couldn't stop eating and really didn't want to stop eating. You know, I just, I just didn't want to be fat. And it wasn't until I had other experiences in Overeaters Anonymous. You know, I don't know if any of you heard the speaker last night, Carlin, wonderful, wonderful gal. I was actually uh, privileged to be at her first meeting myself, and she got it from day one, you know, and just got it and stayed abstinent. That's not my story. You know, I came here being just a plain old fat person. I had a lot of judgments about anorexia. I thought, what's wrong with that? You know, that I prayed to be anorexic when I got here. Vomiters, they looked great. You know, to me, hey, what was wrong with that? You know, I, but I was of the attitude, if I ate it, it was mine, you know, and I wasn't giving it up. So I kind of had a lot of judgments about 
anybody who looked good who was a compulsive overeater because I just couldn't relate. Um, one of the pictures in there, I, it's my anorexic picture. You'll see I'm very, very thin. You can see the, you know, really see the bones in, in my body. And I thought I was looking good. And that picture was probably 15 years ago. And I think I almost look older in that picture than I look today because of how drawn I was and, and um, you know, that I really had slipped into the anorexia. I was about 97, 98 pounds in that picture. And, you know, to me, it still wasn't enough because I have a goal weight and I wasn't there because my goal weight is zero. You know, I want to get on the scale and I don't want it to move. And that, that is, you know, that's my, that's my real disease. Is, is, is a, it's a disease of, you know, really sick about what I think about food, my body image, you know, the whole thing about being a compulsive overeater. So um, I came to Overeaters Anonymous and I met this gal, uh, Jeannie Hansen was her name. I don't know if any of you know Jeannie H. out from the Monrovia area, but she had, um, I just had met her. And we knew each other maybe a week, and she, there was a retreat coming up in Overeaters Anonymous, and she bought a ticket for herself and her husband or something, and then he couldn't make it, and she asked me if I'd like to go. And I said to her, now Jeannie's probably this big. She tells me I scared the bejesus out of her, but she's probably six foot tall, you know, and she's a pretty big gal. And, and I looked up at her, and I said, well, I'm gay. <laughs> you know, you sure you want to go with me? And she goes, or, are you sure that's okay or something? And she looked at me. She says, I'm straight. Is that okay? <laughs> and I thought, oh. You know, it really, really struck me. So I was, I was lucky to have meet the people that I met in OA, you know, because really I found acceptance here. Nobody cared about anything except that if I could get recovery from compulsive overeating. And so uh, I went to that retreat with Jeannie, and it was just the beginning of a journey for me. Um, I started to tell you about how smart I was. You know, I got here, and I wanted to figure it all out and, you know, read the literature and just get whatever I needed to get to not have to be fat. And so I was taking a lot of notes, though, you know, from the bulimics and the anorexics especially because they had what I wanted, which was a small body. You know, that's, that's where I came from. Um, but in the meantime, I did get abstinent, and I had this sponsor who told me, and I didn't believe her at the time, she says, Annette, you can never be too dumb for this program, but you sure can be too smart. And I thought, you can't be too smart for anything. You know, you can never be too smart, too rich, too thin. There's just a few things you can never be. But I found out, you know, the hard way, like I said, July 1985, May 1986, hmm, something along the line there doesn't sound, you know, kosher. So um, I did get abstinent right away. Of course, I became a star because we do that in OA. When you get abstinent and you lose 100 pounds, it's easy to be a star. You can go all over and speak. And uh, by the way, I still couldn't breathe. A year later, I was, you know, 100 pounds thinner and still smoking, couldn't breathe. Um, I did eventually get to quit smoking about another year and a half after that. I think, uh, let's say I quit smoking December 12-12, 1987 is my uh, sobriety date. 
And just about a month after that is my sobriety date. Uh, also, actually two months, February 8, 1988. So I, it all started here for me. And it's interesting it all started here and I have the least amount of time, you know, here. But this is, I heard one of the girls I sponsored say not too long ago, the mother of all addictions for me. Compulsive overeating is the mother of all addictions. And what I wanted to do is, um, the big book says it, and I think Carlin read it last night uh, from the big book in Chapter 3, more about compulsive overeating or alcoholism, where it says the idea that somehow, someday, she will control and enjoy her eating is the great obsession of every abnormal eater. This persistence, the persistence of this illusion is astonishing. And that's what it was for me. When I came here, I had this idea that if I ever lost the weight, because, see, I'd never lost it, as some people who came here, you know, who come here have gone up and down. If I ever lost the weight, I'd never gain it back. I truly believe that. But I had to experience all of this stuff, you know, to get past that. Well, I lost the weight, and then I did quit smoking. And, you know, we have, um, I heard one speaker talk about our diseases as like a balloon with little things that, you know, pop out and you push one in and another one comes down here and you push that one in and this one. So I wasn't eating, I was smoking more, of course, you know, and drinking more. That's my alcoholism really reared up too. And then I wound up drinking my meals, but that's another story. Um, and, and so, you know, this one be pushed down, and here comes this one, and this one gets pushed down, and I'm still waiting for the deading thing to come in, you know, I'm waiting to go, but I went chopping yesterday. <laughs> so, we'll see. We'll see. More will be revealed. <laughs> anyway, um, I get in a big way. I like buying houses, you know, <laughs> so it's like not worth it unless I can spend a couple hundred thousand. Anyway, um, so I, I was like this, you know, I, I, Quit eating and then smoke, and then the smoking was really killing me. Got that down, and then lo and behold, I went to those nicotine, or they were called Smokers Anonymous meetings, and you know what they pass out at the meetings? They have a big old uh, bowl of candy, and that's what you're supposed to do. You suck on candy, you see, instead of, well, I figured, see, I had lost the weight now, right? I wasn't going to gain it back. So I could have a little hard candy. I mean, that wasn't going to hurt me. I wasn't a hard candy. I was never one of those red and white disc people. You know, I was like boxes of cookies, cakes, candies, whatever. You know, chocolate, chocolate and bread, whatever. So I thought, uh, you know, I could eat this bowl of hard candy. And then I got a really great idea. I could take licorice and cut it into cigarette size, you know, pieces and smoke them. Well, I went from four packs of cigarettes a day to four packs of licorice. And I'm talking about the big licorice because I was like in, inhaling them. And what happened was I started gaining weight. Well, I have, then I discovered my ego. See, remember I was a star in Overeaters Anonymous. I didn't want to give that up. So now those notes I was taking, you know, about vomiting and stuff, I decided to try that out, and I found out that I could throw up and eat whatever the hell I wanted, you know, and stay 125 pounds and look great. But let me tell you, that was when I, that was when I finally met the third tradition that says 
The only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively because I no longer had a weight issue. Now I had a food eating issue. And so, and for me, it almost took me to bankruptcy because I was eating and throwing up probably 30 or 40 times a day. I didn't have time to go to work. I didn't have time to anything, anything. My house, I almost lost my house. You know, I was in foreclosure. It was just, it was amazing, you know, what, what vomiting did to me. Anyway, so uh, finally I, I was chairing a women's retreat, and I was grown up. I looked good. You know, I didn't want to give up my, my uh, uh, stardom. I looked good, and I was at this women's retreat that I was the chair of, and there I was in front of 200 women, and I couldn't, they were planning a birthday party for me. Supposedly I was going to be, you know, two years abstinent or whatever the hell it was. And I just couldn't stand it, you know, and I just broke down in my room and I cried and I called my sponsor and I told her what I was doing. And she said, it's up to you, but you probably have to be honest. So I got up in front of a room of 200 women and I told them my head was in the toilet. And do you know, probably half of them hugged me and held me afterward and said, keep coming back. We love you. You know, we love you anyway. And Overeaters Anonymous, for me, has been a place where I have found love and acceptance, no matter what I've done, no matter how I act. You know, you guys love me anyway. I have stood in front of a room of compulsive overeaters and pitched and told everybody they were a bunch of fucking idiots. And at the break, they held me and hugged me and said, keep coming back. You know, and I thought, these are sick motherfuckers because anybody who, you know, what is wrong with them? But what's wrong with you guys is it doesn't matter who we are, what we do. If we're a fellow sufferer as a compulsive overeater, you know, we are here. We're here for you. And that was the message that I got. You know, that is the message that I've had over the 18 years that I've been here, that no matter what, you're here for me, you know, and and I see a lot of people here, especially when I get to come to a, a function like this, that were here when I got here. You know, Ida, Jack, Cheryl O, Gretchen sitting in this room, you know, were here when I got to Overeaters Anonymous, you know, and they're still here and they're still coming back. And a lot of them have stayed abstinent. So they have shown me the road. Some of them have had relapses like me. Some people have left. Those are the ones that my heart really cries for, are the people who've left. Because there's one thing I can tell you I did right in 18 years that I've been here, and it's the only thing I've done right, and it's that I kept coming back. I have kept coming back to these rooms. And about six and a couple months, six years and a couple months ago, I... You know, somehow a willingness came. It suddenly realized, I read that sentence that I read here. It is the great obsession of every compulsive overeater that they can control and enjoy their eating like a normal person. That is what I wanted to do. I wanted recovery from compulsive overeating, not by giving up the foods that make me compulsively overeat. I wanted to be normal. I wanted to be normal with my eating. And you know what? I'm never going to be. 
And once that truth came over me, you know, that I am not going to be able to eat a piece of cake, candy, cookie, or anything like that, like a normal person. I can't do French fries like a normal person. Then I don't have to go there anymore. And it's not about being strict or restrictive with my food. Well, first of all, I've had my share. That's number one. You know, I've already eaten all the cookies, cakes, and candies that God laid out for me when I was born. Probably they were gone by the time I was 10. But it offers me freedom. You know, when I try to have this much of something that I want that much of, I'm in trouble. And I'll tell you something. When I do, when I, when I, I get part of my food plan is I can have like a half a pound of vegetables, you know, half a pound of uh, Brussels sprouts. And when I've had a half a pound of Brussels sprouts, you know, they come in a pound package, right? I take that half pound out. I've eaten it, and I put the other half a pound in the freezer. They are not calling to me. Annette, there's more Brussels sprouts. You know, they're just not calling. And it's okay. I'm okay with that half a pound of Brussels sprouts. I can be trusted with Brussels sprouts. You know, I cannot be trusted in the same way with a cheesecake. A half a pound of cheesecake isn't going to do it. It'll be calling to me. So why go there? And I'm so grateful for that. You know, and if I didn't stick around here long enough to hear people who had what I wanted, which was the recovery and the freedom from the obsession, freedom from the obsession, you know, which is what I have today, if I didn't stick around here, I don't think I would have ever heard it. Because, you know, I'm pretty smart, and I had my own idea about what was good and what wasn't, or what was right and what wasn't. And I got to learn new ideas here, you know, and I got to learn what would give me freedom. And I got to be open, you know, more open to what would give me freedom. And that's, you know, what I get today is I get the freedom. But, and I know that the minute that I think that I can try that one little piece, I'm going to be in trouble, you know. So I don't know why it's, it's almost like the big book talks about we, we recoil from it like a hot flame. And that's about how it is for me. When someone, you know, when I start the thought, because it starts here, I can have a piece of cake or candy, I recoil from it. And I think, no way in that. You know, there is no way. And there's no way I want to go back there. So what I have to do today is I have to keep coming to meetings. I have to do service. I have to abstain one day at a time. I have to not let it be an option. You know, if I have an option, I'm going to exercise it. So that's where I come from. You know, I have to pray. And I have to um, keep coming back. Thanks a lot. There's now time for sharing on this topic. Since this meeting is being taped, um, make sure you sign the release form after you share. And those wishing to share, please line up on my right. And um, this meeting goes until about 10:20. Okay. Hi, my name is Tom, and I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, Tom. 
And I'm jealous of that because when I was a little boy, the little boys didn't let me practice kissing them. <laughs> <Little ladies. laughs> um, you know, I uh, um, when I came into OA, the, um, there was a meeting in Reseda. You talked about acceptance. It was a men's stag. And I'm nervous. Every time I get up and talk at a, a gam lesbian focus like this, I get nervous. But anyway, um, it was a men's stag on Saturday morning in Reseda. And three of us gay guys from West Hollywood, where I used to live, went, went down, went up over there, and we shared. And I didn't know how they'd take that, because they, we had been to the meeting several times. They were just so loving and accepted. And um, I'm, uh, I don't think that I'm a compulsive overeater because I'm gay, but that was wonderful to have that kind of acceptance. Um, and so I'm going to sign this and say thank you. I'm Roseanne. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Roseanne. I want to thank you very much uh, for sharing. Uh, when I first came in in 1986, I came in because I was in a relationship and she wanted me to lose weight. And, um, you know, it didn't work. I've been in out a lot of times. I was just thinking, I was in and you were sharing. I was thinking, well, I was in for, you know, for about two years and I left in 88, came back in 91 left her in the earthquake, I'm in, I was in Northridge, came back, left again in 98, and I now have two years, and not two perfect years, but they're two years, and instead of practicing one or two of the tools, I actually use all the tools now. I found that to be very helpful, but my hardest tool still is plan of Venus. You know, that's, you know, the tradition, you know, it says in the, in the the book in the second edition in the, the preface it says you know the only desire for membership is, is, is a honest desire to stop drinking you know no honest desire to stop eating compulsively and I think it's that honest desire because I agree within that that I wanted to have physical recovery spiritual recovery and emotional recovery because I've always been under emotional duress but but I really didn't want to stop eating you know I really wanted to still be able to eat because it's just so you know, it's still, it's still a, will work for me. It's still a c- comfort, even though, you know, later it's not, it's not perfect. It doesn't get me to where I want to go. I just have to remember what I'm eating. Is it, is it working for me? You know, I feel like Dr. Phil. Is that working for you? But, uh, but you know, it's still, um, I know that I, you know, I, I'm never going to be, you know, people say I'm recovered, and I don't know if I'll ever be, I can't think of be recovered. I think that I'm just so lucky that I finally surrendered enough to, you know, I didn't want OA to be my whole life. You know, I thought, oh. And I first came to a meeting, I thought, these people are all crazy. And um, and then I thought, God, I really fit in. And that, you know, was a little bit frightening. When I first came to meetings, I was very, you know, my emotional distress was always relationships. I always had problems. I don't know why. And because uh, I, I wasn't in a relationship with an alcoholic for 11 years, that, and that might have started things off. And I, um, you know, when I came in, this program gives me the opportunity to to learn how to do relationships, learn how to do life, and learn how to, essentially for me, to grow up. 
you know, to, to, to grow up and to be a person I want to be. But, you know, it's taken me a long time. So, anyway, I just wanted to thank you, and thank you for sharing. I'm Marcy. I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. Thank you so much, Annette. It's just really good to be here, and I just wanted to get up and pitch gratitude. I waddled into these rooms a year and a couple months ago at 226 pounds, and physically just really sick, blood pressure sky high, and in a lot of pain, and emotionally just numb, and spiritually just dead. And it's it's not like that today. It's not like that today. And I'm just so grateful for this fellowship and for my higher power and for the life that I have today. Um, you know, it's so good to be in a place where uh, my partner's going through some, some health issues and I can talk about that and not be afraid that, you know, I can talk about that in a room with mostly straight people and not be afraid that somebody's going to say something hateful to me or or treat me unkindly or something that I can talk about that and have people say later on, I'm going to say, pray for your partner or I hope everything will be okay. It's so good to be in a place like that and have that kind of acceptance and love and, um, you know, and to, to have a program that tells me that I can have faith and not be in fear. You know, right now it would be easy to listening to being fearful about somebody that I love dearly being sick, but I can, you know, I have a program that tells me I can be in faith and that, that the God that takes care of me is going to take care of her and um, that, that his will is going to be good and loving and kind, whatever it is for her and for me. And I wouldn't know that if I wasn't in here. I didn't know that until I got in here. I've been to church. I've been to spiritual things, I read books about, you know, what, you know, how you should live your life or whatever, but I didn't know that God loves me and that God will take care of me, and that I don't really have to, 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 to do it, you know, I don't have to control anything, and I don't have to help God, but God's going to do it without my, my aid or my direction, you know, I just have to try to know what His will is for me, and, and ask for the strength and the power to, to, to carry it out, and, I never knew that in the 47 years that I've been on this planet. I didn't know that until I got in here. So when I say that I'm a grateful compulsive overeater, I really am grateful that I have this disease because it's giving me a way of life that really works for me. Thank you for letting me share. I'm Melissa, compulsive overeater. Uh, thank you so much. I completely related to all of your story, and uh, I definitely took notes in this program. That wasn't the best notes I could have taken. But um, you know, I used food because it was the easiest drug for me to get to get out of my head and uh, to ignore the sick thoughts that were in there. Um, but I used the weight as a excuse for maybe why it wasn't working with guys and you know, why I had such a pretty face with this fat body, you know, which I heard all the time, too. And um, and uh, this program gave me the strength and the courage and the acceptance to um, actually uh, come out and 
to myself and to other people and be proud of who I am and, um, you know, and, and recognize that people love me uh, anyway. And I got the emotional and the spiritual of this program much before I got the weight loss of this program. And, um, you know, people loved me when I walked in and said that we're all a bunch of old women and I didn't want to be here. People loved me when I came out. People loved me um, when I relapsed, you know. And um, and I never had that unconditional love anywhere else. And I didn't have it for myself, you know. But I, I, I thought if you could do it and if a higher power could do it, then I could do it. And um, in this program, I learned... Uh, that I was worth more than how I was treating myself, than the bad relationships I was in with men and women, than eating myself into oblivion, than, you know, whatever it was I was doing. I learned that I, I deserved more than that. And uh, and because of that, today, I have such gifts in this program. I've learned to have a relationship with food. I've learned to have a relationship with a higher power. I've learned to have a relationship with myself and with other people. And, um, and I because of that um, can walk into any OA room or any room for that matter and be proud of who I am but I know that it's a lot safer in here and that I have more um, support and you know when I was going through those relaxes or those breakups um, because other people felt that same courage to speak up and, and that there was no judgment in these rooms I knew who to go to who understood and who's been there before and um, using people in the program in that way as support um, really helped me further my recovery and so uh, I appreciate your share very much and, and uh, the courage this program gives us to be ourselves. Good morning. My name is Larry. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Larry. Uh, I really enjoyed your share. I got a lot out of it. Uh, like someone else said, it, it, I wasn't a compulsive overeater because I was gay, but I was gay and a compulsive overeater. And I think the two just let add a little more shame to my life. And uh, I've been in program for four years now, four and a half years. And I started out and I lost 115 pounds and maintained that weight loss. However, after four years, a little, a little under four years, I lost my abstinence. And in some respects, I think when I lost my abstinence after four years of being a star in the program and being on the speaking circuit and everything, it's when my recovery really started. Because I think until that time, it all came so easy, and I thought, well, you know, that I was going to be able to eat like a normal person, and that's not the case, and I know that now. Uh, I had been in other weight loss programs and done very well and got the goal weight and thought I was cured and gone out and found all the weight I'd lost and misplaced and the, and the bonus pounds, too. So I really am very, in a way, I'm very grateful for having lost my abstinence because when you lose something, it's when you really, really learn to treasure it. And um, so I'm back struggling with the food that I keep going to meetings and keep going out and sharing and listening to people. That sometimes is the hardest thing for me to do is listen to I'm so smart I know it all. And uh, so 
I really appreciate that about being never being too dumb for the program, but being too smart for the program. And that certainly is in my case. So thank you very much. Hi, I'm Julia, compulsive overeater. And the whole gay thing, boy. Um, I remember when I was 10, I read. My sister was five years older, and she was taking psychology in high school. So I read the um, I read her psychology book, and it said that it was very common for girls to go through a phase, you know, till about age 14, where they had crushes on other girls. And I read that, and I went. Phew. Okay, I can be who I am for four more years, and I'm still normal. <laughs> and, um, you know, that was a big load off my mind. But, of course, 14 rolled around, and nothing changed. And I fell in love with my best friends, which is gruesome, you know. I mean, but, I mean, it's terrible to really love someone where you absolutely know that you must not tell them, you know, that that is the end if you tell them. And, um, and, of course, there's the brutal part where they fall for boys, and you're just kind of, you know, dealing as best you can. Um, on a positive note, I met someone who I think was really an ennobling friend. You know, she had – I was queen of the debating society. We had an argument once where she gently advised me that I'd acted rudely, and I debated her on the ground. I proved by syllogism that I was right and all this stuff. And then after I went through this 15-minute harangue, I said, you know, Kathy, I won the argument, and you're right. And it was great because, you know, she gave me that gift. She gave me a little more compassion. She took away some of my arrogance, which was, to me, you draw a diamond, you know, and a line through the middle of that diamond, and the arrogance and obnoxiousness you see on the top is exactly reflected with how much insecurity and lack of self-worth on the bottom. So I went through a period of time where I felt like the only thing I had to offer anybody was that I was, you know, kind of intelligent, you know, not in, not in arithmetic or anything, but, but with words. So um, for me, I wasn't a compulsive overeater all my life. But um, when I went to the police academy, um, I was the only female in the academy class. And, you know, there's, there's different kinds of courage in the world. I've literally faced death. I talked someone out of shooting me. Um, I've gone through some adventures, and I've been able to have that kind of courage. But the kind of courage where you're the only female or you're the only black person or you're the only Jew or you're the only whatever, I don't have that kind of courage. And it was brutal. And they also exercised me brutally. I mean, it was painful, horrible, running five and six miles, doing 70 men's push-ups in a row. I mean, I could do those things, and it just killed me to do those things. And guess what I discovered? I, I was afraid every single day, and I could eat anything I wanted all the time and still have the body because the exercise was so horrifically painful. Then I, I failed the academy, which felt like the end of my life, because when you're doing that every day for six months, that's all you're doing. And I um, came out of that. I started working in the Oakland City Jail. Guess what? I, I got along better with the prisoners than the jailers. Is that a surprise? You know? And um, I put on weight like you wouldn't believe. And that was the beginning of my being a compulsive overeater, for real. I'd had episodes. But that was really the beginning, and it was, 
scary. And it's taken, it's taken time. I had a job where I was out, where I brought my wife and our, our you know, donor-inseminated son to Christmas parties, and everybody knew, and it was wonderful. Then I supported fleet services, which was like 98% male. And a lot of those guys were intelligent and decent, and a lot of them were crude and pretty rough. And um, it was hard on me, and I was afraid to be gay in front of those people. So I kind of, you know, hid. So what I'm, gosh, you know, what I'm, what I'm struggling with is to, I'm out, you know, at all my meetings at home. You know, everybody knows. But there's still that moment, you know, and I think it's more inside me. It's more a reflection of my own fear. But there is still that moment where I come out of the meeting where I wonder, you know, is there, are there people writing me off because of it? And I have to just get on with who God wants me to be. I have to believe that I am who God wants me to be, that God doesn't, wouldn't just give me lesbianism as a Christmas gift, that, there, <laughs> that there's some kind of a reason for who I am. And I've had some of the most joyous, wonderful relationships in my life, you know, with women. And, um, you know, I need to see that positive. I need to get over the fact that my marriage of 12 years is over. That's, it's been a year of, you know, pain and processing. But um, just to be here, just to feel love, to feel understanding, you know, to know that I'm not alone, to feel the fellowship not only of, of this little group of us, but to know that every single person in our way is my sister and my brother, that we're all pulled together for the same stuff. And that's kind of... Um, kind of what I needed to say, you know, nothing brilliant, but that um, I'm just so grateful to look into your eyes, and I'm grateful to be here, and uh, thank you. Do you want to be wired for sound? Uh, not really. Not really. Okay. That's good. Right. 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 And um, just another added twist. Thank you. I'm so sorry I was late. But uh, I'm one of those people who don't like being a part of the crowd. I don't like being accepted by you. I like being different and on my own. You know. And uh, I don't embrace all this. <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> I don't know if there's anybody out there, but usually when I say these things, there's somebody that comes up to me after me and goes, you know. But anyway, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I like being different. And, uh, you know, uh, I try hard to be different, you know. And, you know, it's probably a whole other ism, you know, different synonymous or something, you know, that I need to go to. But I'm real grateful to be a part of this program. I'm a retread in and out. I'm an old how person and, you know, the way and measure and stuff and this stuff and this cup and, you know. But I remember um, one thing I was thinking about. I do appreciate the diversity of the fellowship and how people that would not normally mix, we mix, you know. And I find that awesome. You know, I, I was thinking uh, before, uh, probably maybe four years ago, I had this sponsor who was this older Jewish guy. He was 65 at the time, because I remember going to a 65th birthday party. Long, white hair, you know, straight, male, Jewish, everything that I'm not. And he was my sponsor, and I just loved him. 
you know? And I, I remember thinking when he gave me a candle at my meeting, I remember thinking, you know, when I came into this program, I was trying to find a sponsor. They said, get somebody you can identify with. So I'm looking for the black lesbian, you know. She's out there somewhere. You know, that's who I identify with. And so I find this Jewish guy who's 65 years old who's straight who's all this. And there she is, you know. And I, So everybody got a great laugh out of that. But that was true. It was like, I don't know what I'm doing. God knows what I'm doing, you know. He's just telling me to keep showing up, keep doing the right thing, keep your little head intact, and I'll, you know. So that part, is, it blows my mind. But there's a part of me that that wants to sit in the corner and wants to be different. And there's a part of me that thinks most people are stupid and not as smart as me, and I want to be part of their little stupid clique, you know. And so, you know, I just have to keep talking about it. You know, I'm also a recovering alcoholic. When I first got into AA, I sat there for 15 months, and I didn't say anything. And then finally I raised my hand, and I started crying. I said, I hate you fucking people, and I don't want to be here. And they said, keep coming back. You know? And that's all I shared. Probably was the first year. How I fucking hated AA and everybody in it. And if I had any other choice, I wouldn't be here with you people. And they said, keep coming back. And I'm 20 years sober, you know? And uh, the same thing is happening in this program. I'm still not, like, loving all the warm, fuzzy stuff, you know, but it's okay because you guys just say, keep coming back, you know, and my life's getting better, you know. So, anyway, I just wanted to share that. I'm real grateful to be here. Thank you. I'm actually in shock. I just walked up here. Did I just do that? My name is Beth, and I'm a compulsive reader. And, jeez, uh, you all may be thinking you're attending this Palm Springs convention for Overeaters Anonymous, but I think you're celebrating something that happened to me yesterday. And I retired from the Los Angeles City School System after 25 years of teaching. So. And I had to tell the principal to get out early to drive here. Uh, I said, I'm having a party at the Palm Springs Hilton. Uh, it was just a, a little lie. Uh, actually, I've had a home in the desert in La Quinta for um, 12 years, so I'm, I'm, all I had to do was sell my home in Diamond Bar, sold it furnished, and it was perfect. Everything worked out well. And, I had already had the stuff here for 12 years, so I just had a little, few little things to gather up yesterday. But, it, you know, being in one home and one school for almost 20, well, school for 25 years, the home for almost 22, 23. But it was a pretty emotional day. But, and I really wanted to get here. And um, I had so much and so many things I had to do yesterday. And then I was glad I got here by 7 last night. Just, you know, I said, God, somehow get me there. I mean, driving... From East L.A. to Diamond Bar, Diamond Bar to La Quinta, La Quinta back here, I just, everything worked out. So I'm really grateful. Um, um, about to start June 29th, a huge journey. I mean that. I'm going around the world for the next year and doing a lot of, just going everywhere. So I'm, I'm real grateful for my life, for God, for abstinence. Um, the cruise ships have AA meetings. I'm mostly doing cruising. Not because I want to do cruising, but my aunt works for one of the companies, and um, we're extremely close, and she put me down as her third daughter, which is not a lie. 
she said after my mother died, I, I was her mother, so I'm getting an incredible discount. So uh, I'll be mostly cruising, which is a little scary with the food portions, but um, I feel good. I just feel like, you know, I just even driving here this morning, I said, you know, God, it's, it's you and me. We're going to be on this journey together. Um, I don't know much about OA in the desert. I know it's more how directed. I haven't gotten to too many meetings here. I don't know anyone gay or lesbian who lives here. Um, and I'm not going to be home too much till January, so I'm going to be gone most of the next year. Not going to Everything goes well. Um, I just think I'm going to find a, a closer relationship with my higher power because there will be a lot of times the... Um, you know, it's going to be the two of us together on this journey. And um, good things are happening. I know nothing would have been possible without God. Uh, I took a little time off yesterday and went to the cemetery to say goodbye to my parents who were near Forest Lawn. And I really thanked them for, you know, just being just being blessed with the greatest parents anyone could have had. I was a very spoiled only child. and. You know, had they not left me what they left me, I would still be teaching five more, seven more years like everyone else. So a lot of things. It was That's when I, I didn't break down. I mean, they gave me a big retirement party a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the kids kept saying in the middle school, aren't you going to cry, Miss? And I said, no. I, I said, if it comes, it comes. I, so, I said, we showed Forrest Gump, and at the ending I had tears. I said, that was about as close. But yesterday at the cemetery, I really broke down because the, uh, after a whole life of being a resident of L.A. County, I'm now a total resident of Riverside County. So a lot of things are happening in my life. Obviously, nothing would be possible without abstinence and a reliance on God. All these things that have happened, it can't be, you know, when I'm, when, when it's my, um, when it's my thoughts, you know, I get in a lot of trouble. I've had a 17-year affair with some with a woman that worked at my school and she transferred and we still continued it so I'm not too good with um, serious relationships I mean I think I can uh, maybe in a year get a dog or something a puppy but um, uh, you know anyone who would have uh, an affair for 17 years and then uh, we haven't spoken the last year and uh, I think also I'm going to stop in one second I think God wanted I think had I not stopped that had it not ended, I probably wouldn't have retired. I probably wouldn't have sold. I would have sold this home and stayed in Diamond Bar, which is not really where I wanted to retire to. So, I mean, God must have a million reasons why things happen, because I would have never, ever guessed we wouldn't be together for life. So what do I know? Nothing. It's all God. And God, uh, if I'm too shy to talk to you today, um, you know, it's just, I'm not shy in front of a classroom of teenagers for some reason they uh, you know give me a big surprise at graduation all the kids cheered and all this stuff but one on one with gays or lesbians especially I don't know something happens I'm uh, the queen of straight people and I just don't have too many gay friends but I'm on a new life now so pray for me (laughs) thank you I am William, Compulsible Reader. 
um, just forcing myself to share because <laughs> um, I, I don't do all this so well. So um, thank you. Excellent share on that. And everybody, actually, I've, I've gotten to this one thing. I'm a little distraught that you call us heavy gay people that you cry over. <laughs> but um, you're right, there's a lot of body images as gay men. But um, that's not what... If God is what's in everything, it's really what's inside of everybody that matters. And, um, and I don't want to be with anybody that doesn't know that. So um, there you have it. Um, I, I've known... I've been gay since... Ever. I don't remember not knowing I was different. Um, and I was blessed in that I was never beaten for it. Um, I was called names. I, was, I got more of the fat names than I did the gay names. Um, yeah. So uh, I had the big complexes over being heavy, not necessarily being gay. Um, I did have friends who had been um, bashed and things like that, but that never came into uh, onto my body. I never actually had to feel that. So... Um, I've tried the hiding it at work thing. Um, you can't hide that you're fat, but you can hide other parts of your life or try. And that's pretty uncomfortable. When I um, took my last job uh, six years ago, um, I decided I wasn't hiding it. The need to advertise it, but there's no need to hide it. And um, that's been very rewarding. I've had some couple conflicts, but for the most part, I got a whole lot of support from everybody in management on up into corporate. Phenomenal. Um, when it came to coming to meetings, um, I'd actually been told about meetings. Uh, obviously, I mean, I, well, let me start again. I've been heavy since I was born. I was born at 10 pounds by now, so there's nothing going to break my shoulders and get me out. Something happened when I was being made, and my mom ballooned up from um, not a thin person, but from a normal weight to heavy, and then she and I have had the, the challenge all of my life. Um, who knows what God had planned, but we're, we're both heavy now. And um, so uh, I've always had the dieting thing, you know, the, all my life. The exercise, diet, whatever. I kind of give up the exercise early on. Who has time when there's TV to be watched and things to eat, you know. So, um, I mean, you know, that's like you come home after school or whatever. You just hit, uh, now even after work, I have to watch whether I want to come home. I want to sit with other people when I want to eat. And so now I don't, I can't do that anymore. Um, I'm coming up on my 90 days, another week of abstinence, so I now don't come home and turn on the TV set, which is weird because I just put in satellite. Uh, I don't get it. See, that's why I took mind working. I finally popped the tank for satellite, but, um, but I'll see a movie once in a while is what I'll do, but I don't do that every day with the TV on and just, you know, being hungry about it. So there's some differences. Anyway, um, when I finally, as an adult, left, it, we ended a 14-and-a-half-year relationship in, in my um, now best friend. Um, we ended amicably. Um, I decided it was time for me to um, work more on me because I had pretty much hit a, um, both of us had kind of hit a, um, what do you call it, cruising point. We just kind of were just like going, going forward and not up at all, not burning, not growing, um, just moving forward. So um, a friend at church actually uh, gave me an OA packet that I looked at and promptly put next to that in the pile of stuff that, you know, you just don't look at very often. So um, it took me about a year to actually go actually looking for a meeting. I was looking for a game I was being meeting, what I was looking for. And when I couldn't find one, I decided this was no, no kind of group I would want to belong to because they should have game lesbian meeting. I mean, Orange County area should have game lesbian meeting, for God's sake. And maybe they do, but I still don't know where they would be. Um, 
So it took me another few months to decide to just go to a meeting. And I did. And I have not had a problem with acceptance anywhere. Again, just like at work, I don't hide it. I don't advertise it. I mean, I, I think I sound gay. Sometimes some people say I don't. I, I don't really care. You know, people accept me for who I am, and, and I've had no problems with anybody. It, it's been phenomenal, um, the support in the groups. Um, I became absent really quick after uh, joining, which has been, I just felt, went past my year mark of, of coming into OA um, on a continuous basis, I should say. And, um, and then lost my absence after four months because I wasn't working any steps. I was just high on, I had gone to the retreat at Big Bear, and um, I was high off that. That was so easy just to start three days of absence and just go. It was great. And, and I carried that for about four months. Um, and then lost it. So, uh, anyway, that kind of brings me up to here. I'm maintaining my absence, but I was hoping to get some um, new friends, new connections, and another little shot in the arm to keep moving from here. So, thanks for letting me share. and I'm a compulsive overeater. I am much better at reading the script than talking about my feelings up here. I cry, so I feel it. Um, I've been um, a member of OA for eight years, and I have 11 months and two weeks of abstinence. And for a long time, I was too damn smart for my own good. I could figure it out. I could do it myself. I could think my way out of this. What do you have that I don't have that I can't figure this out? And that kept me so stuck. Um, I tried um, using commercial food plans as an abstinent plan. That doesn't work for me. Um, and I tried looking for sponsors who had what I wanted, and what I wanted was to be thin, beautiful, and popular. And so that's who I asked to be my sponsors, and it just never clicked. It didn't work. Um, and uh, a year ago, I finally surrendered and said, you know, um, maybe I should look for somebody who has a little bit something else of what I want, and that's recovery. And, you know, I have a sponsor today who is the same size I am, um, is younger than I am, and has been around the program less than me. However, she has two years of abstinence. She was celebrating two years when uh, I came in. It's like, you know what? She obviously knows something I don't. She's doing this thing. Um, I've had a rough week. Um, I have been away from my home group because I was, um, I live in Sacramento and I was in San Francisco for a week um, for work. Um, unable to get to meetings. Um, and it was one of those work conferences where at every break they bring in the lovely food um, spread because I guess normal people can do that. Um, I, I can't do that. Um, 
without um, completely, and so the obsession came back so strongly. And so every night I was on the phone, um, I used those tools. You know, I brought my books with me, and um, I get to do a 10-step on this whole experience. Um, and I keep feeling like I'm not abstinent because I'm thinking about food all the time. Um, and my sponsor assures me that that's not true, because I haven't actually uh, compulsively over eight, except for in my own head. Um, but I'm so grateful for this program. Um, I hated myself for years. You know, I was born a compulsive overeater. Um, my mother tells stories of when I was two and I would go to a friend's house next, you know, we'd have a play date and inevitably the mom would call us later on and say, Allison ate all the cookies from the cookie jar again and we didn't even see her do it. And that's, that's, that's the story of my life. I'm a sneak eater. Um, and I think if you can't see me eat, you won't notice that I'm fat. Um, and uh, this program has, has given me so much freedom to just be me. Um, you know, I used to be really worried about what people would think when they found out that I was a lesbian because I don't look like a lesbian. I'm, I'm usually in rooms, you know, I'll go to gay and lesbian meetings and I'll be like, are you sure you're in the right meeting? I am sure. I am in the right meeting. Um, but um, I have found amazing love and acceptance from people in my life, and the people who can accept it, I have found that those are not the people that I want in my life anyway, and that has been a gift. So um, I'm trying to get back to a place of being grateful for this gift of abstinence because this week did not feel like a gift. <laughs> um, but I am very glad to be here with all of you. Okay. My name is Charlene, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I was in OA for a few years, years ago. And then I moved out to the desert, and they didn't have a meeting that I approved of. <laughs> I'm in the upper desert, you know, a meeting of two or three people where I had the key and I was the only one who showed up. And so I gave it up. And they didn't really approve of me, just who I was. And so I said, I don't need this. And I was trying to find a church. And I went to one denomination and was there for about a year. And I'm a church musician. And they loved the way I played. But then when it came time to join the church, there was this issue. So I just pulled back, and my lover and I, We've been up there 10 years, and for nine years I haven't been in OA. I did find a church who hired me I'm that good for playing, but I actually was able to join them because they finally, I found out they accepted me too. So I've had this issue with being gay and being in church. And one of the things I forgot over all of these years, I'm so smart, you know, but it could have been a preacher. And I'm so smart that I know all about God. 
And I'm a tremendous theologian. I have a minor in church history and religious studies, and I've done graduate work. Only I wasn't letting God in my life anymore. And so I'm 150 pounds heavier than when I moved to the desert. And I was already a little bit overweight. I had lost my weight. And then I started putting it on again. And I couldn't find a job that was worthy of me. And the school district in the high desert didn't want me because I was too expensive. And I just had a general anger and disdain for everything that was happening. And so my lover, who's a physician, she's working and she's kept us going. And uh, then the illnesses, her cancer, her heart. Me, I just had a triple bypass about six months ago. I just got a new knee, thank God, so I'm not hobbling as bad. But it's the physical recovery that brought me back to OA. And I was so scared that I looked on the Internet, and it said there was a meeting in Yucca Valley, not at the other place that I had come. And I was willing and so desperate to go anywhere, anywhere, where I could be at OA again. I've been back about three, four weeks, and I have lost a lot of weight. Of course, with me, it's hard to tell. You know, water fluctuates so much. Um, but the feeling of being home is there. I want a, I want a sponsor. I haven't been able to ask for one yet. But the recovery will come. I know because for the first time I can walk in and God can work on me because I don't have to know everything about God now. I don't have to know how God operates in people's lives. I don't know how God orders the universe. In other words, I don't have to be running the universe. And uh, I did not want to come to the convention. But I felt I owed it to my OA group to come, to be of service. Didn't want to do that either. I left my lover at home, told her to go work on paperwork. Because I wanted it just for me. She would have come. She used to go sometimes to my other meetings to understand more about me. But uh, over the years, I got to blaming her for my problem because we don't eat the same things. And now I have to be very, the absence is so different. My anger, I have to learn how to let go of that. But all the doctors who told me to eat that food pyramid, you know, and I am extremely diabetic, and I'm on insulin. And the more you eat that pyramid, under those circumstances, the fatter you'll get. That's part of why I'm so much heavier than I was. But, the other part is, I forgot who I was and who God was. And there is a power greater than myself who has to take over again and help me be me. And I'm just so grateful that I finally found it before I died. And I thank you.
Hi, I'm Teresa. I'm, I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. I'm praying today to put aside what I think I know. And um, I, I guess I'm a retread in OA. I came into OA in 1986, and I had I went home and I started abstinence. I went to my first meeting and. I started abstinence, and I was abstinent three and a half years, and I broke my abstinence. And for me, it, the, my main addiction is the food, and then um, the drugs, and then the alcohol. That's the way it works for me. And um, after I broke my abstinence, I got back into the drugs right away. And I was eating, like, um, the amount of junk food that I was eating in a day was, like, $15 a day, and that's like 50 cent items, you know, that's a lot of junk food. And what happened, what I experienced was that the first bite um, of the sugar, every bite tasted the same, and I don't get full. I don't get full on sugar. There's no cutoff limit. It's just, I don't feel full. And... Um, after I got into the drugs, I eventually lost everything. I abandoned my trip in a motel room. I lived on the streets for like six years. And for me to be able to be here today, I feel, um, I feel pain. I feel pain because I never thought that I could get back to OA again. And it's been, I've been absent now for 11 months and a couple of weeks. And... I just, you know, that pain's okay. That pain's there. I feel pain because I'm here, and it's kind of stressful, but I'm really, really excited, and I hope that I can be open today, and I love listening to everybody share, and thanks for being here and listening. We'll close the session, so please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the Serenity Prayer. This is my first convention. Do we get in a circle to do the Serenity Prayer, or do we just stay here? Yeah, let's, can we do that? Thank you. 